following teaching is from the Warrior's Heart Bible Study for Men. You can find us on the web at warriorsheart.org. We hope you have a great day. Well, good morning, guys. It's great to be with you. Uh, last two Sundays, I had a chance to preach at two different churches, both of them without pastors. And it's one of those moments where the lay people are quite confused. What in the world do we do? Uh, Sunday's coming and it always comes every seven days, but we got to get someone there in the pulpit. And the churches, the first church was, was uh, has quite a few struggles, and uh, the numbers have been shrinking, and the people are a little bit down, and they're not quite sure where, which direction to head. But hey, I said, sure, just point me to the pulpit and tell me when to go and when to stop, and we'll go for it. And then uh, last week, I was at a little church that was even smaller than the other one. And uh, they wrote to me and said, look, we're, we're having a hard time finding people to speak. We only have maybe 25 people who show up on Sunday, and we haven't had a pastor for a little while. And um, and you hear those numbers, and you know that, that when other pulpit supply people hear it, they're reluctant to go to a place that has 25 people. I mean, it's it's less than the, the guys that are here for church. And and then you realize also when, when I showed up, and when people tell you about their church, they usually inflate the numbers, and they, even those numbers were inflated. I don't even think there were I don't even think there were 20 people there, but they said, uh, I said, so when do you want me to start, and when do you want me in? They said, well, we'll we'll introduce you, so start preaching then. And and so I said, well, when do you want me to finish? And they said, when you're done. So I said, okay. So we we had a blast. So I'll go back to that same church this Sunday, and the attendance is going to be even lower because they're one key family who does all their worship. Uh, they just had the, the, the matriarch of the family went home to be with the Lord this week. So I'm sure they're going to be gone and be grieving. And uh, I'm not going to bring a guitar. I'm not going to sing. I'm not going to lead worship. That's for sure. Because I want them to stay to hear the word. And um, uh, But it's one of those kinds of things where, you know, I'm on seven days, a week after week. And then the week after that, I'm going to, uh, this coming week, I'm going to, the week after that, I'm going to be at another church. And uh, they've, they've, they've gone, they've grown from, I think, 300 to about 125. It's one of those churches that has a lot of internal struggles, which never happens in a local church. It's probably the only church that has had those problems. And uh, so I just have to take a couple of days off because I can I can always feel when my gaskets are starting to leak a little bit. So I'm going to take a couple of days and head out to the wilderness with a friend of mine, and we're going to have some the good good downtime. He's in a busy ministry himself, so that's uh, that's kind of what my schedule is like. And uh, really grateful for Erica understanding my my time and. Uh, this semester at the seminary, I'm teaching more than I've ever taught since I've been there. I showed up at the seminary, and they wanted me to teach two classes every semester along on top of my administrative duties. And I looked at them and said, that's not that's not possible. <laughs> Let me take one class at a time until I get them under my belt, and, and when, then, then maybe I can do them. So this semester is the do them time. So I've been assigned two classes this semester that I've taught before, but it's still a huge huge responsibility and I know that when I, on a Monday when I'm giving my lecture and then I get to the one of those moments when I'm pausing I'm thinking this player's heart is this is this a church I'm supposed to preach at Sunday what classes is one now so I get kind of confused so I knew I needed to take some time off but so that's 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 where all this is coming from uh, I love warrior's heart because of all the things that I do this is uh, the one place that I focus my personal time of studying the word of God originally so this is 
first first uh, ground stuff for me, and I love doing that because I I'm just in the Word and I'm focusing with the Lord and I plan my week out so I can study a little bit each day and figure out where where I'm going and I just get enthused because of the new discoveries from the Word of God. I I preached through Mark before, but I've never taught it like this in a class situation and put together this the PowerPoint. So this to me is really fun. Well, there was an elderly lady who was really well known for her faith. In fact, every morning she'd get up and the first thing she would do after she washed up and put her clothes on, she'd go out to the front door of her house, standing there by the road where people were walking and driving by and and starting their day and she'd just shout out with a big smile, praise the Lord. And everyone kind of looked forward to that, except for the neighbor who was next door. He was an atheist. So every time he was out in the morning with his morning coffee and grabbing his paper, she'd always come out about the same time. And after she said, praise the Lord, he'd shout out so that she would hear and everybody else would hear, there is no God. So they went back and forth like this every day, and people kind of found it humorous. Others found it interesting. And uh, one day this lady thought, you know, things are getting kind of tight, and her cupboard was, was bare. So she stood out on her porch and says, praise the Lord. And God, if you could bring some groceries, that would be great. And uh, the the guy next door who was the atheist heard all that, and he thought he's going to finally get back at her and prove to her and the entire community who was right in this business. And the next morning, the woman comes out and says, praise the Lord. And she looks down at, oh, lo and behold, there's a bag full of groceries right there in her front doorstep. And so she shouts out, praise the Lord. The Lord brought me groceries, just like I asked. And then out of the bushes from her, her house, the, the atheist next door neighbor jumps out and says, ha ha, there is no God. I brought those groceries, not God. And the woman looked at him with a big smile and shouts out to the neighborhood, praise the Lord, the God, God that I prayed for, he brought me groceries and he made the devil pay for them. <laughs> I, I do not know if you have met anyone lately with that kind of enthusiasm for their faith. But I have. In fact, that both of these churches that I've been to that are down and out and on the way down, and who knows how low they can go. But circumstantially, they're in a difficult situation. But finding a Christian man and a Christian woman whose faith and tenacity in their faith is almost infectious is really fun when you're in a situation that humanly everyone would say, man, that church is not going anywhere. But you find someone who's incredibly faithful to Jesus Christ because it's not about numbers, it's about a relationship. And somehow that infusion and that infection about their tenacious faith is something that just warms my spirit. And sometimes it's not just us guys. Oftentimes it is a woman. And we're going to read about a story here about a Syrophoenician woman who, who had a daughter with whom she was madly in love and she was sick because of what the demons had done to her daughter. And she comes to Jesus Christ with that kind of infectious, tenacious spirit. And I want you to pay attention to how she approaches Jesus through faith in spite of a lot of limitations that she had as a human being. So we're going to look at uh, Mark chapter 7. And in this passage of Scripture, we're going to see the making of a miracle. And let's pay attention to some of these little nuances about the lives of people. Because our goal is that we could be influential in the lives of people that we meet during the week. And how that happens here in the lives of people who meet Jesus, tremendous parallel. Mark chapter 7, beginning at verse 24. Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Did you hear that? Something that Jesus did not want. 
but he was unsuccessful. So if you ever go in one of those trivia games and someone says, is there anything Jesus can't do? And everyone says, no, there's nothing he can't do. You say, yeah, there's something he can't do. He can't keep his identity secret. Because the scripture says, yet he could not keep his presence secret. I don't know if that uh, would ever put a chill down your spine, but if Jesus Christ is left to be Jesus Christ, everyone will know. And the only one who can keep it a secret is us. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an evil spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. So that's the situation. That's the making of this amazing miracle. Jesus was seeking solitude. He was unsuccessful at it because of his reputation. He was in Gentile territory up by Tyre, up on the, the area of uh, northwest of uh, the Sea of Galilee. And there's a mother who seeks Jesus Christ out as soon as she hears that he is available. I love this because if you want to talk about tenacity and faith that will never take no for an answer, talk about a mother who is trying to get help for her child. So Jesus Christ responds to her. First, let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Now, when we think about the reply of Jesus Christ here, he's giving a bit of theology to this woman who's in desperate personal need. Who on earth, when they are desperate for personal need, for someone that they love, ever wants to hear someone else spout theology? And this woman was no exception. The Jews had this amazing sense where Jesus Christ was the promised Messiah. And as Jesus Christ came before he's ever recognized for his Messiahship, he wants to come and bless the nation of Israel first, before the Gentiles ever get a chance to figure out who this Jesus is. And so Christ is raising the issue of ethnicity to this woman as part of his reason for denying her request. Now you got to get this picture, guys. She is being denied help for her child because of her ethnicity. Now, at that particular juncture, probably for, for many of you here, you may not know and what that feels like. But here, I'm an ethnic guy, and I, I know what it's like when you're a minority and a majority environment. Whenever anybody puts you down or sets you in place or will deny you anything because of your ethnicity, it doesn't take much for them to do something like that that makes your spirit as an ethnic individual inside, shrink. And I, I remember those kinds of moments. But here, this woman doesn't shrink, and this is what shocks me. It captures my attention. She doesn't cry. She doesn't clam up. She doesn't leave. Instead, she picks up and responds to Jesus, just as Jesus Christ has spoken to her. Yes, Lord, she replied, out of massive respect for him. But even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. The Jews have a culture there when they sit there at the table and they eat. They don't use a lot of utensils. They have wooden bowls for a lot of the food that's set there. And they'll pick up tortillas and um, use those tortillas and, and, and wrap them up like a spoon and scoop up the food. And then they would eat the food until the tortillas were so soggy 
they couldn't scoop up anything anymore. They turn them around to the other side, use that until the tortillas were so soggy. Once the tortilla was so soggy, either they ate it or they looked down under the table where their pet dogs were and they threw the, the, the uh, soggy tortilla to the dogs and that's what the dogs, who were the pets of the family, that's what they ate. So that's what Jesus Christ was referring to. And so uh, and this is what the woman was referring to as she responded to Jesus. She says, I'm not trying to take away the main food. I'm not trying to elevate myself to where I don't need to be. I'm just looking for some of the scraps, the leftovers, what no one else wants to use anymore. The massive amount of humility that is presented when a woman is tenacious about her faith. I don't care if this humiliates me, Lord. I don't care if this puts me down. I don't care what people think of me getting down here to this level. I just want to do what's ever necessary to help this little girl who's my daughter, whom I love. Now, the amazing thing about the comparison and contrast here is then Jesus Christ responds in verse 29. And he says to her these words of a miracle. Then he told her, for such a reply, for such an expression, for such words that tell me about your humility and your massive love for your daughter, because of your tenacious faith that is represented, that will not take no for an answer, because you're doing this for somebody else's benefit. For such a reply you may go, the demon has left your daughter. Jesus Christ manifests massive understanding of all the things that are related to the, to the problems that this little girl is having. It's never been a discussion between the mother and him, but Jesus knows everything. He tests her faith on the basis of, Really, where, were her de- where will her dependence manifest itself? And gentlemen, one of the greatest lessons of the scripture is we watch lives of people that are desperate. Finally go to Jesus. Desperation demonstrates where our dependence really is. When we are desperate, it will show us, it will demonstrate where our dependence really is. We have no idea of what doctor she went to or what rabbi she went to or what helpful people she went to. She may have. But the way the story is presented to us is an amazing one because it shows us that when she was desperate, it demonstrated that her dependence was totally upon Jesus and Jesus alone. When we look back at this and ask ourselves, okay, I want to be a man of faith. I want to, I want to be the kind of guy who lives my life for Jesus so that everybody at the workplace one of these days when they're in a desperate situation, they're going to remember, here's a guy I want to go to because every tough situation I've seen him in, he acts different. There's something about him. There's a joy. There's a confidence. There's a dependence. And that's nothing that we practice on our own. It's something that comes from a real relationship with Jesus Christ. And when faith like that is lived out, people find it amazingly attractive, and they won't go to you in public. They'll wait for a quiet moment. And when desperation forces them, they will know who to turn to. So we look at some of the principles of faith from this passage of Scripture, and they're very powerful. Pursue an audience with God for whatever needs that we have. I, I think that it's good for us to remember that if you're desperate like this woman, then go to Jesus, go to God. But man, don't only wait for those moments of desperation. Do it on a regular basis so it's not so strange. Also, enter into God's presence with humility. Be willing to do whatever he wants and be as low as necessary. We guys have a tough time being humble. It is a difficult challenge for men. In fact, many of us avoid 
difficulty, leadership, or risks, because we never want to go through humiliation, if that might be a risk we would have to take. Faith also demonstrates itself because we should never let ethnic barriers limit our faith. It is something that is humanly imposed. Therefore, spiritually and faithfully, we will never let this stop us from coming before God with tenacity. Be persistent with your entreaty of God. When was the last time you were so tenacious about something you would not quit? You would not let go. Now, unfortunately, I'm a Oregon University of Oregon fan, so I, I w- and I'm a big Mariota fan. I, I've heard that guy's faith and testimony very powerfully, and so I sat there and I listened over and over again to all my friends. No, I really don't have any friends who are Ohio State fr- fans, but I listen to a lot of people who are Ohio State fans, and they said, "Man, out of Mariota, he's not as good as they thought. Man, those Oregon Ducks they aren't as good as everyone thought." So you listen to all of that. But I was, I was there cheering that guy on, and I was there cheering on the Ducks, and I was there watching for every moment, even when the final gun was sounded. I'm a fan. And my tenacity doesn't stop just because the scoreboard says I lost one game. When was the last time, guys, we were ever so tenacious in something spiritual, in prayer, coming before Almighty God on behalf of somebody else? Are we the kinds of guys who easily quit? You ever notice how many times when there are miracles in the Bible and the stories of miracles, guys demonstrate a tenacity that is an expression of their faith? Remember the guy who was a paralytic? Jesus Christ had come back to Capernaum, and some of his friends picked him up and said, hey, we're taking you to Jesus because that's where you need to be. The crowd was so thick they couldn't even get close to the house, let alone get their friend inside. Did the friend say, yeah, you know, we tried. I hope you appreciate it. Maybe next month we'll find Jesus alone. We'll come back then. Or instead, these guys go up to the top of the roof and say, well, we're closer. Maybe Jesus can hear us. Maybe he can throw up a prayer. They wouldn't even let that. They tore the roof off the house. And the Bible never talks about them being arrested, committing a misdemeanor, committing a felony, nothing. But Jesus Christ saw their faith. And Christ, in the scriptures and inspired in the literature, talks about their faith being plural. Collective faith on behalf of somebody else is going to benefit somebody who's not a part necessarily of that expression of faith. Tenacious faith for any one of us as an individual compounds itself when we can find other guys who have that same kind of incredible belief. It's not just the Syrophoenician woman. It's any one of us and any group of us who want to put our trust in Almighty God for the benefit of of someone else. Never lose hope that God's in God's response because sometimes he wants to find out just how fervent we are in our faith. Be careful to follow God's instructions. Do exactly what he has to say. Now this last particular statement is one of those that I, uh, I really love as we anticipate the next half of this passage of scripture as we go into the healing of the deaf mute. In Mark chapter 7, verses 31 to 37. So remember that, that last one. There's, there's, a, there's a procedure sometimes that people don't like to follow. Everyone wants to, be, wants to be a part of a miracle. But doing the things that God wants us to do, we don't necessarily want to always follow those. Verse 31, Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee, and into the region of Decapolis. It's a long journey. 
There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged him to place his hand on the man. After he took him aside away from the crowd, away from the people who even brought him to Jesus, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ear. I, I, I wouldn't do that. Then he spit. I haven't seen that done at church much. If there's any spitting going on, it's usually the preacher spitting at the crowd when he's getting excited. I've done that too many times. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. We don't know where he spit or what it looked like. We don't know what it, you know, if he, whatever it was, it wasn't good, it was gross. And he, we don't know if he spit on his hand and then touched the man's tongue. We don't know if he told the guy to stick his tongue out and spit on his tongue. But no one follows that procedure. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh, he said to him, Ephatha, which means be open. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Amazing here with this uh, amazing miracle and the situation. Some friends bring this deaf mute to beg Jesus to request the laying on of hands. And we don't know who these people are. But again, that same principle follows. Desperate faith demonstrates where our dependence is, especially when we do it on behalf of somebody else. We are not the primary recipients of the blessing. The miracle itself, Jesus Christ took the bed away from the crowd, even away from the ones who brought him. No glory comes to those who are human. It all goes to Jesus Christ. There is a procedure here that's really odd, freaky, and weird, because it's not about the procedure that Jesus Christ wants us all to remember. It's all about who the focus is of dependence when there is a particular need that needs to be fulfilled. Now we have this odd thing that comes here, and that's a caution that Jesus Christ gives. And the caution is this. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. But the more he did so, that is performing miracles like this, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Is there anything that Jesus Christ cannot do? Yep, he can't keep his reputation a secret. Unless we who know about the reputation of Jesus, unless we are silent. This amazing lesson here gives to us some necessities about a miracle that we should remember. Faith for, uh, uh, faith for an unselfish need is a highlight of both of these episodes. God's compassion for an individual's plight Again, very, very evident in both of these moments. The procedure is unimportant compared to the dependence upon God. And lastly, the response after provision is natural. But God's purpose is also vital. Jesus Christ didn't want them to tell anybody because he didn't want the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, and the lawyers who were responsible for the direction of the nation of Israel. He didn't want them to be overwhelmed by public opinion. He wanted them to personally believe that Jesus was the Messiah. When I think about this whole business of faith, uh, sometimes it can be misdirected, and that's one of the cautions we have to have. I, I remember the first time being a, a, an assistant pastor, and I was in charge of the youth group, and, and Brian had a, a horrible diagnosis. He was in high school. The doctor said he had a, a horrible kind of fast-growing cancer inside his abdomen and his soft tissue, and 
Brian and I spent a lot of good time together just trusting the Lord and had to leave to go to seminary. And, and I found out later that his dad went to every single doctor he could and paid tons of money to try to find a solution. And when there was none, he took Brian to one of the national faith healers that was on the rise. And he had a private engagement with the faith healer and young Brian. And the faith healer prayed a, an amazing prayer from what I hear. And I'm sure there was a tremendous, generous gift that was given. And the father came back and he stood up in the middle of the church during a testimony time and announced that his son had been healed. And that next Mother's Day, just in a matter of weeks, Brian went home to see Jesus Christ face to face forever. We can tell amazing stories about faith where Jesus Christ healed. And we can tell amazing stories when human faith was misdirected. So we don't want to be careless and just spout off with words to impress people. It's about really trusting Almighty God with genuine dependence. That only comes with us walking with Jesus Christ every single day. You can think now about the faces of people you're going to be working with today. You don't want them trusting you just because you've got an overt personality. You want them to trust you because they see something real inside of you. And us, humbly trying to live God a faith that's going to represent him well and genuinely in front of other people. It's not about what we want with regard to human health. It's all about what God wants to give based upon how we want to trust him no matter what the outcome, because our relationship with him is far more important than just trying to live a life that we want to live on the face of this earth. It's a great lesson, guys, on faith. It's a great lesson on tenacious faith that is expressed on behalf of somebody else. Great conversation that we can all have with regard to the kind of humility we can come before Almighty God and about how ethnicity sometimes gets in the way because that's a human limitation that we superimpose on the lives of other people. Have a great time in your table talk, guys. Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. We hope you can join us in person. We meet Thursday mornings at 6.30 a.m. in the Fellowship Center of Houston's First Baptist Church. For more details and to register, you can visit us on the web at warriorsheart.org. That's warriorsheart.org. We hope you have a great day.